Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 32 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of the show. And here to do the second half of the AL Central with me is Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing good. We got some uh, amazing franchises to talk about tonight. <laughs> well, we got one that'll be fun, but the other two are pretty rough. It'll be like talking about the Baltimore Orioles again with the Tigers and the Royals. But at least we have one good team that should be fun to talk about. <laughs> well, you know, I'll just say this now. We recorded this a couple days ago. But we're putting this thing out right after the All-Star game, Andrew. So would you like to fake act like we just saw the All-Star game and talk about how great it was? <laughs> Andrew, yeah. could you believe that that, te- that blank team won? I couldn't believe that that one pitcher threw- struck out the entire side that inning. Yeah, I'm trying to come up with like a prediction right now just to see if I <laughs> nail it. And I, and I, don't, even a- have, I don't even have anything, so. I don't even like. I don't think Vlad Junior's. I haven't looked. The, I haven't looked close enough at the rosters yet uh-uh. to even. Yeah, I mean, I glanced at them, but Mike Trout did something. I'm sure we can oh, say yeah. that, and that that's probably safe yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But anyway, we're going to get started now, and we're going to talk about the White Sox, Andrew, and there should be a fun team to discuss here. They have been a team that's kept trying to stay in contention there. Till a few years ago, and they finally decided to do a full-blown fire sale. They gave traded away Sale, Chris Sale, to the Red Sox. They traded Yohan or um, Adam Eaton to the Nats, and they really stockpiled those farm systems with those two trades. And now a lot of their kids are either up in the big leagues or they're really close to coming up. Andrew, do you think this is a team that can contend in the next few years? Because the American League—that's no joke. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think their division, not this year. I mean, they're not going to win the division this year or anything, but I think that there's potential that of that in future seasons, like upcoming seasons, yeah. I don't feel like any of these teams are running away with anything. I mean, whatever the, you know, we've talked about the twins but i think we can mostly agree this is kind of their best case scenario season so yeah i think in the next few years the Sox could contend for sure and for me to say that believe me that's 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 not it's not something i would say if i didn't mean it i mean next year they were talking young arms so this is probably Nothing ever goes the way it's supposed to with young arms, but they could realistically have a top three of their rotation be something like Kopech, Giolito, Cease. That's some serious upside, at least, right there with those guys. That Yeah. And a lot of young bats. All right. Well, we'll start off talking about that lineup. And, you know, the guy that's been – their steady player the last few years, and I really don't have much to add. It's Jose Abreu. He's ho- having another ho-hum solid season. His value was discounted in three drafts this year due to an injury last year, but I was glad to scoop him up, and yeah, his batting average is down to around 270 instead of 300, but I'll take that with those counting stats. Do you have anything to add on Abreu, or 
move on. No, he's uh, unspectacular and great at the same time. Nothing really to add. I, I've got him on one team, and you just set it and forget it with him. You know, one thing I didn't look when I was researching was how long he's signed for. I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, wow. This is his final year of his contract. He's a free agent after this year. I did not hmm. realize that. I've forgotten that, too, I think. And, you know, they got Andrew Vaughn, who could be moved quickly through that system. I know he was already just moved up through a, a level. I mean, I, I wonder if they're going to bring him back. I mean, that guy might be a trade chip here in the next month. Because, if, especially if he's a free agent, unless they're really wanting to try to lock him down to a couple-year contract, which... Given their youth, I I don't know. I guess maybe it'd be possible that they would want to do that, but it's going to be an interesting thing to follow here. I bet, they, I bet they'd try and sign him. I think it would It'd be nice have that veteran presence around a lot of these kids. Yeah, yeah not going to get much for a rental anyways. I, I bet they'd try Agreed. and sign him. Okay, well, the White Sox have also had two young batters who have struggled with consistency. And uh, both of them have taken off this year, and that'd be Yoan Mankata and Tim Anderson. And Andrew, looking at them in Dynasty, I feel like they're pretty close. Do you have one of those you'd rather have over the other? Uh, Batting average league. No, not really. I don't know who I prefer. What do you? Who do you prefer? You got to you got to answer the question once in a while. So I'm, no, that that's why I'm I like pinning. Being in that I'm position. pinning. <laughs> I'm pinning this one on you. They're ranked incredibly close in the dynasty rankings. I looked up, and I think I'm taking Mankata just for the upside, and he is better at taking walks than Anderson. I think when it comes down to it, I mean, I, I think they, I think they have comparable upside, though. I don't, I wouldn't say Mankata has more upsides, but. But yeah, he does take walks, so that that's a good argument for it. I still think Mikata has another slight level, and I I mean I'll say this: if Anderson started taking walks a little better, I think he could be a superstar also. So maybe that's not fair, but I don't know. I I think Mikata could still be a first round player if everything clicked and went right. Yeah. Okay, no, I don't. I don't. I uh, I don't have a strong opinion either way. So, but we'll start off with Mankata. He's struck out too much during his major league career, but has walked a lot also. And this year, he has cut the K rate to twenty-seven and a half percent, which is a big improvement for him. But the odd thing is, his walks are also down from ten to twelve percent to six and a half percent, which that's weird. But anyway, he's hitting three hundred five with sixteen home runs and six steals. Here near the halfway point. And if you don't want to answer Dynasty him or him versus Tim Anderson, I'm going to give you a couple more young bats that I pulled up. And I'm starting again high. Ozzy Albies. Albies. I didn't doubt that for a bit. And what about the Red Hot Devers? Um, Raphael Devers. I blanked on his first name as I was about to say that. <laughs> That's why I just said Devers. 
Probably Devers. Yeah, the way he's hitting, I, I agree. What about Eugenio Suarez? Mancata. I agree. Austin Riley. Oh, that one's tough for me. I remember when we did the NL East, Riley was striking out a lot and not probably walking Mon- much. Probably Moncada. I'd take Moncada. I'm looking up Riley right now. Still striking out 33% of the time and a four-and-a-half walk rate. Yeah, I'm not. I'm still not really a Riley guy. Yeah. I mean, he got off to that blistering start, but, I mean, come on. That wasn't going to keep up. Well, let's put one toolsy guy against another and put him against Byron Buxton. Yeah, that one's that one's fair. Flip a coin. Pers- yeah, flip a coin. Personal preference. Yeah. All right. Well, that still has him as a pretty well ranked guy. After, and I think that's a jump up from where it was a year ago. I think he's his values stock has gone up this year. And we'll move over to Tim Anderson, who also had a real nice year last year: twenty home runs, twenty six steals, but he had a low two forty batting average. And this year, he's pacing for about the same home runs and steals here at the halfway point, but his batting average is 317. Which one of these batting averages, 240 or 317, feels more right for this guy? 240. I agree. That's, I definitely agree there. I just, I'm trying to pull it up right now. That 317 average comes with a. Look, three, at, it, look at it like this. Oh, sorry. Finish your thought. I, was, I got a thought too. You're good. 373 batting average on balls in play and a two and a half percent walk rate. That's just hard to do. No, I was just going to say it's like between 240 and 317. So, you know, in the middle there is basically like 278. So it's like which side of 278 would you project him to be on long term? And I think it's lower. I think it's clear. Like, I don't even think yeah. it's an argument, like, at all. So, yeah, definitely 240 over 317. Get that 278 batting average, and I'm still not sure you could get that on-base percentage up over 300. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, it, like if, you said, if you said which one's more real, 240 or 278, I might still say 240. Yeah. You know? So, Puts the bat yeah. on the ball well, but, like, he doesn't – he's – I shouldn't say that. He's not striking out as much, but man, he just, the guy never just walks. does not walks. Yeah. And this is not Javi Baez, who's got this ridiculous bat speed and hits the ball ridiculously hard that makes up for it. He's not that. Yeah. I always feel like with Tim Anderson, and he's been really good. I, I, I do kind of like him just because there's, uh, you know, the, there's pop there and there's definitely speed there to makes him kind of a unique player. But I always feel like with Tim Anderson that there's a huge slump around the corner. If it's not now, it's coming. And paying for guys like that when they're going crazy and they're red hot, I just feel like it's a mistake. I agree. That's just me. 
And I do, I, I have a redraft share this year where I felt like I got him at a decent price. I think it was an on-base percentage league even, funny enough. But I thought, man, that this price, is he's fallen far enough to where I think I could take him. And he's been good for me. I mean, yeah. because he's hit for a high average, that on-base percentage is 342. And he's been a profit, but yeah. I'm not buying. I'm probably not going to own them next year because that price is going to go up. Okay, well, we'll move on to pitching. I didn't really see any hitters, other hitters I want to talk about. And we've talked about Lucas Giolito a few times this year, and man, he's having an incredible season. Two seven two ERA, eleven wins. Wait, you don't want to talk about Eloy? You know what? I never wrote him down. Okay, we got to go back and talk about Eloy. So we'll get back to Giolito in a bit. Eloy Jimenez. I can't I just, believe I just missed that. I'm glad you yeah, caught me. I, was, I so, was just thinking, like, he's probably the number one guy to talk about. Yeah. Okay, well, is he a first-round dynasty pick now, do you think? Let me ask you that question. Like 15-teamer? 15-team. Do you think he's a top 15 dynasty value? If he's your guy, I have no problem with it. I guess maybe if that's a cop-out answer, then it is. But I think that means he's not yours, and that's okay. Uh, not. I don't necessarily mean that, but put it this way. I said Tatis was just outside the top 15, and I'm taking Tatis over Eloy. Okay. So, but yeah, he's, he's in that range. And if, if you love him and you're sitting there at 11 and you want to take him, take him. No problem here. I agree with Tatis over Eloy. I would definitely take him over Eloy too. Eloy struggled pretty hard early on this year, but man, he's been hot in the month of June. I think I saw you like nine home runs, 10 home runs that month. It was a hot month for him, but the thing about him, he, he, you know, the batting average is going to continue climbing. He's a really good. He's got a good hit tool, but does need to learn to walk more as he progresses. But yeah, he's a stud. He's good. I think he. I truly believe he's going to be a stud who leads the American League in home runs one of these years. Oh yeah, he's so massive. You ever watch yes. him just stand? Like when he stands in the box, I just. I'm almost in awe of how big he is. He just looks humongous. His home uh, runs remind me a lot of Eloy. Or, I'm sorry, (laughs) remind me a lot of Pete Alonzo, who has hit a ton of just absolute blast to center field. When he gets one and he gets it out to center field, I mean, I've seen him go way over that fence. Yeah. Yeah, he's a monster. Okay, there we go. Now can we talk pitchers? Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> no. I was good just looking. I was looking at it. I'm like, I think I got to say something here. I'm glad you did because no I would have felt dumb afterwards. <laughs> okay, Lucas Giolito having an incredible year. Two seven two ERA, eleven wins, 115 strikeouts in 96 innings. Incredible season. Can this guy sustain ace level pitching, or do you think he's more of a two three who's having a great year? Uh, I think he's like when you asked what Bieber was, you know, top however many starting pitcher, and I said 40. 
I'd probably say the same thing with Giolito. I, I'd probably prefer Giolito to Bieber. But, yeah, I think it's in, like, that ballpark. I, I mean, he's been an ace, I guess you could say, this season. I don't really like anointing somebody that this quickly off of being horrible last just you know just last year but yeah he's obviously turned the corner big time and does he have a level upside yeah and you know he's he's definitely pitching like it now it's just i need to see it a little more before i'm comfortable saying that that he is that i think that's fair his 272 era does come with a 38 xvip so they're even saying he's had some luck this year to where I think that's a fair thing to have him at around 40. And if so, that means owners probably should be trying to sell him. And I have a share. And when I was doing research this week, I kind of, that was one that stuck out to me. I was like, well, maybe somebody, maybe I should be at least checking to see somebody who is contending right now is looking for an arm. That might be a trade I should at least look into. Um, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably have him higher than forty. I'd probably I might even have him closer to thirty. But I'm that just means saying, he's a two general, or three then general area, you know. But yeah. but that but that said though, I mean, if he keeps pitching like he is, you asked me this question in December, and I've got him at twenty. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's it just all he's really got to do is just keep it up. I mean, it's tough, but yeah, he can get to that level. There's no doubt. Yep. He the pedigree is there. He was a top five prospect five years ago. He is the best pitching prospect in baseball. Yep. So it was him and Alex Reyes. Yeah. Moment of silence for Alex Reyes, who can't seem to figure out how to throw a strike anymore. Yeah. Oh, okay. Move on before I get depressed. Um. Dylan Cease made his debut this week. Five innings, three runs, four hits, four walks, and six strikeouts. In AAA, he was striking out guys well, but his walks per nine were over four at 4-2. Do you think this guy's a fantasy difference maker in the second half? Uh, Possibly, yeah. I I mean, I don't know about difference maker, but I think he needs to be owned. And um, probably started most of the time in uh, in fifteen teamers, twelve teamers. I'm not as sure, but yeah, he needs to be owned just on upside alone. If if he's in, you know, if he's in the major league rotation, I agree. He definitely needs to be owned for that upside. I'm not as co- I'm not too convinced he's going to be that great. I th- I could see some peaks and valleys with those walks. Yeah, I could definitely see some peaks and valleys to where there there could be some blow up starts in there, but he has some really good stuff. So yeah. let me ask you this: Caesar Kopech in a dynasty right now, Kopech who's getting close to about a year for removed from Tommy John. Kopech, I agree. So moving to Kopech, he made four starts last year before he had to have that Tommy John surgery. And he's another guy who has had bouts of wildness. But where do you think he ranks amongst prospect pitchers? And you don't have to give me a number here because I pulled up prospect pitchers and I've got a him or him game ready. So, Kopech or Forrest Whitley? 
Whitley. Okay. Kopech or McKenzie Gore? Gore. What about Matt Manning? We'll be talking about him soon. Manning. Okay. Casey Mize? Mize. AJ Puck? Kopech. All right. So Mize, Manning, Gore, Whitley, the and I will I will say I will say I think that uh, Manning, you could argue it. I I'm really big on Kopech's ultimate ceiling. I still Mm -hmm. am. Um, I'm probably higher on Kopech than most. Like just in general, I've always kind of felt that way. But it's it's mostly just because I think he has the big ceiling, and that's like what I want in prospect pitchers. You know, I said it like kind of with Pearson before too. But yep, Kopech definitely has that best pitcher on the planet upside to him. He's got an incredible stuff, big bodied guy, and now he's got Tommy John out of the way. That could be. I think I like him over Manning, and I think I. I think I'd even take him over Mize. But that Mize definitely feels like the safer pitcher is scary. I'm scared to ever use that word anymore about safer yeah. pitcher. That, that's yeah. just such a scary phrase to say about any prospect arm. Yeah, it's tough. Though so the White Sox do have a lot of high-end prospects, five of them in the top 100. But after that, it gets bare quickly. And... I wanted to talk about Andrew Vaughn here. And Andrew, if you had a sub pick that you were going to take Andrew Vaughn with, so let's say you've got the second pick in a dynasty startup or a, a, a sub draft. And the first guy took, Ad, you know, he's taken Adley and Vaughn. It looks like you're taking him or actually if there's somebody you have over Vaughn, let me, let's just say you have Vaughn is your highest guy on the board with that pick you're going to have. And someone offered you Luis Robert straight up. Are you doing that deal? Yeah, well, would I rather... Basically, you're just asking if I'd rather yeah. have Robert than Vaughn. Which yeah, is, but yeah. I'm doing it in a much fun, more fun way. Well, the only, the, only <laughs> I'm reason, kidding. the only reason I say it that way is because if I can get more for the pick than Robert... I might not do that deal. Uh-huh. You know, so that's that's why I said it that way. But yeah, I'd rather have Robert than Vaughn. You're going with the tools and the kid uh, over the kid who's played a couple games in rookie ball. Now, I know that you're not a huge uh, I should say previous conversations about first base power hitting prospects you, that you you get a little wary of that with them. Do you feel a little bit of that way with Vaughn? I haven't thought that much. In, I haven't dove that deep into him yet. I mean, okay. For all, by all accounts, he's a great hitter. You know, that probably should squash a lot of that. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, okay. I, def, I definitely am not huge on right-handed hitting first base only guys, but. I could possibly be talked into it with him. I just got to dig a little more. There are obviously exceptions, and yeah, we've got time to think about that kind of stuff. As for Robert, 
I have heard Mankata comps to him because of the tools and just will the hit tool play up. And he's had an incredible season. How confident are you that he becomes a star in the big leagues and in fantasy leagues? I'm starting to get a lot more confident. He's been awesome. I, I tell you, truthfully, when we did that prospect show and I didn't have him listed, after we got done, I remember being like, oh, my God, I totally forgot Luis Robert. Like, I meant to have him on there. I just missed him. I don't even know if it was partially an oversight on my part and just, or my part and just kind of uh, probably moving through it a little too quickly. But, yeah, he's been, I mean, just he's just been ridiculous. You know, 16 homers, 29 steals. He's hitting, he gets on base. I mean, there's really not much you can say bad about him right now. He was the MVP of the uh, Southern League All-Star game. Or the, uh, not Southern League All-Star game, I'm sorry. The, um, or yeah, I guess it would have been. It was double A, I guess it was. Double A? I forget they put the Southern League against the, like, North versus South or East versus West or something. But I know he won the MVP of the game, so. And he's in the Futures game that happened yesterday, right? Or a couple days ago? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dating ourselves again. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about the whole, we should have brought him up on that podcast. I don't remember thinking about him either, but what he's done this year has been incredible. Just after yeah. I moved him last offseason and, and wrote a Masters too, I'm happy to say. Gave up. Gave him up. Didn't need that bum. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's okay. Kinda, I mean, he really, he really, if you look at it, his overall skill set and tools, it, it's pretty similar to Joe Adele, isn't it? I mean, it's to me, it is. Hmm. I don't really, I mean, it's pretty similar to me. I'd have to look up Adele. I didn't Adele, know Adele was running quite at that level. No, he's not. That's uh, that. I guess what I'm saying. I mean, Adele's pretty universally ranked ahead of Robert. Thought yes. of higher, higher than Robert. You know, but um, I just think overall their skill sets are pretty similar. Power, hmm. speed, with maybe the biggest question being the hit tool, but they really have both. They've both hit too, so neither one, neither one of them walks a ton. So no, it's going to be interesting to see him in that White Sox lineup in the next year. It could be a you could have a Brew and Vaughn both one DH one first base along with Mancata, Robert, Tim Anderson. Yeah. yeah, could be a fun lineup here soon. Madrigal could be up there, and I'll use that as my segue into Nick Madrigal. Who's another interesting case. He hits everything and never strikes out. Steals some bags. But the power is close to non-existent. In 115 games so far in the minors, he has two home runs. What are your thoughts on him as a prospect, Andrew? He's got 28 stolen bases this year. Yeah. Pretty well. Uh, I liked Madrigal a lot with, like when the... Um, 
about this time last year or end, you know, late in the year. I don't know. I I wonder about it a little bit. I just because of the power. I just I don't think there's any power like at all. And granted, you know, sometimes they get to that with the ball. He definitely can hit, so that's that's a big positive. And yeah, the the running this season has been totally totally crazy. Twenty eight steals. It was like no uh, no real sign of this coming. So that's interesting. I'd be yeah, curious. That- I'd be curious to know if that's what's uh, brought that on. I mean. Not that he was ever slow, but, I mean, nobody thought he would run like that. I'm just curious. Yeah, a lot of people said he's more like a 25 stolen base guy in the bigs. That's the number I was hearing on him out of a lot of people. The nice thing about Madrigal that I'm seeing, and, you know, I started getting a little worried about him as I was noticing that he's hitting, he hit the ball to right field so much. And they thought that it was because he just couldn't muscle and catch up, get muscle up and pull these balls. But he's pulling the ball more as he's like in the double A this year. And he's hitting less balls to the opposite field throughout over the course of the last full calendar year. So that's a good sign for him. And he's hit yoked a couple out of the park here or now this year after not having any for his first something like I don't know, something like 60, 80 games. And he's had a couple of them there over the over his the end of his stint in high A before he was called the double A. So that's a good sign because he's got to be able to hit for at least get get a, have enough muscle to get in there on those inside pitches. I remember that was D. Gordon's thing when he just came up. D. Gordon, they busted him in and he couldn't hit. And it wasn't until he got a little more muscle on him to before he was actually became D Gordon the superstar. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh hard hit data on Rotowire and what's it look like? It's it's pretty pretty bad for Madrigal, but yeah. That was the that was what I was hearing. I had a share of him in Dynasty and I sold it because I was getting a little worried about that, but it's so fun. It's just absolutely comical how little he strikes out. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight Ks in two hundred eighty-eight bats. It's like a. It's comical. Yeah, it's like a two point five percent or something like that. It's crazy. Any other White Sox you want to touch on? I think we've hit all most of the big ones. There's just a couple of them on the low end. I don't see any really to touch on here, unless you got something. Um, no, not really. Zach Collins was called up recently, and man, Blake Rutherford, what a what a bum. Yeah, he's not really though. Yeah, I don't think so either. They've got their high end guys, but their lower end. Like they don't have much behind them to where the farm system is going to look barren again real soon as he, as a few of these guys get up. I think. Yeah, a lot of high end talent, but not real deep. Yep. All right, Andrew. It gets ugly from here. Now we have to talk about the Tigers and Royals. 
Tigers are in fourth place, and like the Royals, are in teardown mode right now. And, you know, we got to go back a few years, and they got old, and they got old quick, and they went for it with the Verlander, Scherzer, Miggy team, and it didn't work out. Unfortunately, they got to the World Series, and Pablo Sandoval had to go and hit three home runs in a game off Justin Verlander in game one of that World Series, and Tigers' hopes and dreams were shattered right then. Oh, and I guess I should also mention David Ortiz hit that huge home run off of the terrible Detroit closure that they just kept running out there. Oh, what was his name? Do you remember that guy? No. Terrible. I mean, I'm sure I do. Jose Val wasn't Jose Valverde. Valverde, yes. Was it? I know that terrible Tigers closure does not narrow it down enough because <laughs> Dombrowski was running that team and that was the theme. But yes, Valverde, that was the one I was thinking of. I think... Oh, you know what? Actually, Valverde is not the one that gave up that homer. I think that was Joaquin Benoit. Could have been, yeah. Big Ortiz home run. And Benoit was gone after that year, if I recall. There was no way that... I I think there was no way he'd come back after that one. Anyway, Detroit's going to take a while to get things turned around. I was looking at them, their team on roster resource. They owe Miguel Cabrera $124 million over the next four seasons after this year. And then Jordan Zimmerman, he's owed another $25 million next year. And the farm is flush with a few arms that have big upside, but the bats, there really aren't that many good ones existing outside of their first-round pick that they took this year, Riley Green, that's got some buzz. But we'll get started with the hitters, and they're We'll start with Nick Castellanos. And whenever he's your star hitter, you got a problem, right, Andrew? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's not good. You've you ranted about him pretty good before the season of just being a overrated, I think was a word you put for him, right? Well, I just I just feel like People, yeah, I guess, yeah, overrated is pretty much nails it. I mean, when people think that you're better than you are, I guess that's the term. So, well, I just, I just don't think he's that good. I don't see, I don't see anything that he does that is anything close to difference making for fantasy. It's just so run of the mill, blah, boring. It's just, there's nothing exciting about Nick Castellanos. We're at the halfway point here, and if you take his numbers and multiply them in half, you've got a 285 batting average with 18 home runs and four steals. Not, and probably 60 RBI because he's on such a terrible team. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Overrated would be a good word for him. Yeah, it was like the one year he had the 100 RBIs, and that may have played into it. I don't know. Some people look at that stuff, but that's just – he's just whatever. Okay. Well, I'll ask a sad question next. Is Miguel Cabrera someone that's ownable in a 15-team redraft league at this point? He hits for average, but the home runs are close to non-existent for a first baseman. Um, ownable, yes, must own, no. 
So that tells me he should be owned on a bad team if he's owned. Like, well, if you're, it just depends on your options. But if you're contending, you don't want that guy as your first baseman. I think that's what I'm hearing when I prob- see that. Prob- probably not, but five redress, redress is just a little different than Dynasty League. Five home runs, 21 runs, 36 RBI in 77 games. Yeah, it's bad. That's negative for three cat four and categories. His, and his OBP is actually really good. That yeah was actually making me laugh the other day. I think I made that comment about it's like three sixty six and he had nineteen runs scored. I know it's not exactly that now, but just he's a negative crazy. in four out of the five categories right now. Yeah, if you own him, and I, it's the first half he could get hot. I get it, but. But that power, and I think it was, isn't his back that's bothering him and said that that's kind of sapping the power and it may never be better to where. Yeah. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd own him unless I was in a dynasty league and I could pretty much get him for free if I wasn't contending and just somebody to fill, hold a roster spot just in case something changes. But I'm not holding out much hope with this guy now at this point. Yeah, me either. Okay. Well, they got some. A lot of other young-ish bats, Nico Goodrum, Jacoby Jones, Kristen Stewart, Candelario. Any of these guys interested in you, Andrew? Uh, Not really. I mean, sometimes in some of these deep leagues, you have to get creative and just get guys that you wouldn't have originally considered yourself interested in or someone you thought you would chase. Um, there's, there's been moments for Goodrum and Jacoby Jones this year, but not too much. No. I mean, Kristen Stewart's young and his power, but these guys overall, it's like you kind of throw up in your mouth a little when you put them in your lineup and just, Hope they're good for like the week or two you have to use them until your outfielder that just got hurt comes back or whatever. You know, that's kind of like they're just fill-in blah guys. That's the scary part because they don't have many prospect hitters on the farm either to where it feels like it could be a while for this team. Oh, and yeah. We'll move over to the pitching, which actually does, especially when we get to prospects, Brings at least a little bit of hope, but again, that's kind of scary. But Matthew Boyd, he's been pretty incredible this year, late blooming at the age of 28. Do you think he's real life? Yeah, for the most part, he's been awesome. Under Under two walks per nine and K rate that's really good. Yeah, he's been like one of their biggest bright spots. It's... Not, I wouldn't say it's completely out of nowhere, but it's definitely a level that he hasn't previously hit. Yeah, and his ERA at 3.8, actually 3.3 is his XFIP, to where with all those stats that we, you just said, eleven stri- almost 12 strikeouts per nine, less than two walks per nine, they're saying that he's actually been a little bit unlucky. So that's a... That, 
that's a good sign for I'm not saying that he can be significantly better. He might be, but at the very least, what he's doing right now, which is incredibly value, could stick. And that's a good sign. Yeah. Okay, let's move over to prospects. And we were playing Matt Manning and Casey Mize versus Kopech in Dynasty uh, back there with the White Sox. What about Manning and Mize in general? Who do you think's who would you rather have between those two over each other? Uh, I would rather have Casey Mize. Okay. You're just taking the guy who it's like polished, it's, but I should polish. It's, mean uh, it. it's like totally splitting hairs though. It's anybody that, want, anybody wants Mize. I got no issue with it. Do you think or uh, Manning? I'm sorry. That's all right. I know what you meant. Uh, do you think it's dangerous that for the Tigers that their top two prospects on a farm system that's rebuilding right now are arms? Do yes. you think this just doesn't feel like the right route? And I get that Mize was you almost feel like he, they felt like they had to take him number one, but man, it could if those guys blow out an elbow or even one of them and the other one deals with injuries and they don't hit what they were hoping they would. This could be a long time before this team contends. Anytime. And I've always felt this way. Anytime that your team is built around pitching, there will be points. And I always think of the Mets in, I think it was 2015 There'll be yep. point, there'll be points where it looks great and everything is just falling into place and everyone thinks that the team's going to be good for the next few years and we've got it made, you know. And then when everything isn't going good, those it, those guys are hurt. That that's what happens to pitchers. And then all of a sudden it doesn't look good anymore. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what's going on with Detroit because Detroit's such a mess right now that they just need to get Manning and Mize up so there's some excitement in the clubhouse, you know, like in the with the organization, period. But um, just more of a general thought with the uh, with pitching being your, you know, the backbone of your roster. It just it just doesn't work long term. It, it'll work. It could work in a given season, but. Over time, it's it's just it's really hard to maintain. And the Cubs are a great example of what you're saying. They were restocking their farm system there five years ago as they were getting ready to make their push, and then they went out and acquired arms at that time, and they built within on bats, and it's allowed them to be competitive now. For, for let's see. 15, 16, 17, 18. So we're at five years in a row of them being a contending team consistently because they have their core bats that are always going to be there. You can count on that a lot more than you can arms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about the the Mets from that one year, I don't want to get too far off track, but it's like DeGrom has been a stud. Syndergaard has been... Up and down. Up and down, yeah. Harvey is now terrible <laughs> and has been terrible basically 
since that year or shortly after. Yep. And Steven Matz, same thing. I mean, mostly he's been always hurt and kind of a little up and down too. So, and that's really it's just, up and down. It's it's just hard to have your uh, the whole core of your team as pitchers. It's just tough. Any other real prospects in Detroit you want to talk about here before we move on? No, not really. I kind of like uh, Parker Meadows a little bit down at the lower levels, but he's not having the greatest season. I have a feeling there will be a point where he pops some, but not really, no. And again, I'm bringing up a picture here. I did pick up Alex Fado in the Dynasty in Rotomasters 2 about a month ago. Uh, it was a first-round pick, if I recall, two years ago. And last year, he really struggled. People were commenting about his velocity being way down. But it, I've heard reports that the velocity's back up, and he has pitched well this year. And he's moved to back up rankings. But, again, he's uh, he's not a top-100 guy. He's more like a, one of the back-end prospect guys that you would have on your team. But he's worth watching. He has pitched better yeah. this year. Yeah, I actually have one share of him, so I've been keeping an eye on. Okay, Andrew, last team is the Royals, and this is another team who made their run. But unlike the Tigers, they actually did make it to two World Series in a row and won one of them. So I think their fans feel like it was worth it, even if it was a pretty looks pretty bleak right now. Yeah, yeah, I definitely... Definitely. I'm with you there. Especially because that team hadn't seen any type of World Series since 1985. I live in Missouri and know a lot of hard-suffering Royals fans, and they're just thrilled. They got that World Series. They do not care right now, really, that they're bad. It's like... I will I will say, I. who do you think is uh, in worse shape overall between the Tigers and Royals? Or who do you think's in better shape? I mean, either either way. It's hmm. a good question. I think I'd say the Tigers are because at least they've got two elite prospects. Both of them have pretty bad farms or major league rosters. Yeah. See, and, I, see, I think the Royals are in better shape. Yeah. Personally. Well. Yeah, you're right. If I here's the thing though, and this is going to get into a rant here in a moment. But Whit Merrifield should be able to get them a return that would make put them ahead of the Tigers. I'm, I just yeah, but I, even Mont, even just Mondesi. I mean, yeah, like the Tigers have no have nobody like that. It's close. I do think it's close, but that's a good argument right there. Yeah. So back to preparing for my rant here. I've been prepped this one. Why on earth is their general manager saying they aren't even entertaining offers for Wet Merrifield? Why, Andrew? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, that's borderline crazy, if you ask me. It's borderline a fireable offense if I was the owner of that team and paying any attention. Wit is, I think, twenty-nine or thirty years old now. He led the American League in steals last year, if I remember right. He's once again hitting over 300, 310 batting average, 357 on base. Yeah, he's 30 years old. I wrote that down. 
I get that his contract is really good. And they even got an extension under him before the year. And now they owe him like $14 million over the next three years. Club option at $10 million for 2023. So they basically have him for $24 million over the following four seasons after this year. I get that that's cheap and that's something that isn't really hurting you. But I feel like they could get a haul for that contract in that player. Yeah, I'm sure they could. I remember last year thinking that uh, they were going to move him, or, you know, I heard a couple rumors. I even think I heard the Cardinals at one point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, a f- you know, a few different different things, but just never ended up happening. And yeah, they're GMs. Yeah, the last, the, the last thing you want, and it, this is almost like similar to being in a dynasty league, but. The last thing you want if you're the Royals is Whit Merrifield just falling off. And then you just you don't get anything for him. Because then he's 31 or 32 and he's declined. And you know, that's that's why I'm always anytime if you know it whenever I bring up age. And I've always kind of, I've always been this way with age. It's like we can sit here all day, you know, we spend all this time researching players and projecting numbers or thinking about what this guy's going to do or that guy's going to do. And a lot time, a lot of times, it's really nitpicky. Like it's a couple homers there, a couple steals here, batting average luck can swing it, stuff like that. The one thing that I always say and just what i believe in is the age is the one number that you know and you can project out like i know if i've got a 22 year old in three years he's going to be 25 if i have a 27 year old in three years he's going to be 30 you know and a lot of the other stuff we don't know let's be honest but we know that and I just think it's important to think about. Like this situation here, Witt's 30. Yeah, he's 31 or 32 in a couple of year, a year or two and not playing as good. You know, they're not going to get anywhere near for him what they would get now. So just things to keep in mind, not only what they should be thinking about, but also in just dynasty leagues in general. Yeah. And you don't hang on to pieces like that. You just don't. Yeah. Because I had a wit dynasty share and I just moved him. So now I almost feel like I'm hoping for that cliff to fall off. Not because of the fantasy end of the fact that I just moved him, but I just almost feel like they deserve that to happen to them. Because he's been coming out so blatantly saying, I'm not moving wit. We're not moving wit. Maybe. This is a play. Maybe he pl- fully plans on moving him if he can get the deal this off this trading deadline. But I don't know if I believe it after watching him hold him last year. I even remember telling you in the off season in Roto Masters one because in Roto Masters one I have wit, and I remember even saying pretty much exact words. I'd love to move wit right now, but it's tough because I'm like trying to win the league you know you need him and yeah he's just kind of a tough player to replace like short term but uh 
Yeah, I mean, I still kind of feel that way. He's having a pretty good season, but his steals are down. I mean, he's not stealing at the level he was last year. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, not good. Just, yeah, I mean, he's a good hitter and stuff, and I'm sure he's you know he'll be fine. But it's one of those things when it when it falls, it falls quick. You know, all it takes is him having a rough year at age 31 and all of a sudden that value, it drops a lot. Mm-hmm. He hits 15 home runs and steals 10 bases this year or um, next year. That about, uh, And that's what he's pacing for at this time next year. Then, yeah, that is something that I always is, think about that stuff. I just, yeah. I, all, I always, always, always am thinking about what if this happens and then what? And, you know, like a little bit into the future, you, you can't just think about the moment. It's especially when you're the Royals and you're in last place and what Wit is giving you right now, it doesn't really matter that much. There are different things with real life baseball as far as selling tickets and stuff that, you know, that makes things different, but. Well, they got that Mondesi Jr. guy that's exciting and selling tickets then, if that's what. Yeah. Yeah. And that moving over to Mondesi, he did come back from the injured list this past week. And he had a home run already since returning. I think he had a real good night on Friday night. And he has seven home runs, 27 stolen bases, and 73 games played. But that said, the on-base percentage does keep falling and is under 300 now for the year at 297. People are in love with him, though. Steals are hard to find, and he is pr- providing that while hitting near the top of the Royals lineup. Yeah, yeah, he, um, he's he been really good this year, aside from OBP, but we kind of knew that he wouldn't do that. Um, I feel like I've gotten some things right this year and I've gotten some things wrong this year. And this is possibly the, the worst miss that I've had. He's been, he's been awesome. Uh, I'll definitely uh, take my L on this one and move on. So let's move that into next year. Then uh, let's say he hits 255 with a 290 on base this year. With 15 home runs, 50 to 55 steals. Where do you think you are willing to take him in a redraft league next year? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. I, I feel like I'm probably not going to get him again. But that said, I've come around on him some. I just I I'm starting to think he's going to be a first round pick. Oh, that's where I was going. And you I said just that. I, I just don't think I'm going to do that. I I mean I can't say for sure. I I'll admit it's a, it's a totally unique skill set, and I tend to covet those things. But yeah, I, I just think he's going to be like a I don't know, like a late first round pick if not, you know, around the wheel-ish type. And I don't really think I'm going to be comfortable with it, but it is a lot of speed, and that's valuable. So just yeah. such, a di- such a different player. It's 
really, uh, seen, really different. I've seen it on Baseball 365. There's some that think he's going to be a first-round pick next year. I'm with yeah. you. I, I'm not even saying that those people are wrong. I'm just saying it's out of my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Okay. Well, I don't have. I mean, I don't have him in in any uh, any leagues this year, and I don't. I don't really feel like I'm starving for stolen bases in most of them. So you found a way. Yeah, I don't know. I did mention Jorge Soler on the predictions podcast before the year. I went and looked it up. I predicted a in our bold predictions a 370 on base percentage and 30 home runs. And right now I'm looking good for half of it. He does already have 23 home runs, but he's hitting 238 with a 304 on base and striking out 30% of the time, walking only 7%. He was pretty cheap this year though, so Owners do have to be pretty happy that took him. Yeah, you only predicted 30? I Shame. only predicted 30, and I thought Shame. I was being bold. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, it's it's a clear win, anybody who has him. What about Billy Hamilton? Are we still considering him a thing? I mean, it's just empty steals, pretty much. Are are you drafting this guy? Are you trying to get this guy as a late pick still? Because I, I don't even know what to make of him. I mean, he's got 16 steals in a half season. So he's pacing for something like 34 with empty. I think it was one thing when he was stealing 60. But now he's getting like 30 to go with all that terribleness. Yeah, well, he's also, like, not getting drafted anywhere near where he was then, so. True. Just depends, but, I mean, not specifically seeking him out. If you're at the end of your draft and you need speed, I mean, why not? But, yeah, no, I don't don't think he's, I mean, I, I feel like it's pretty popular opinion now that he's terrible, you know, so. Everybody, welcome to the club. I've been president of that one for a few years. Do you know how many RBI he has in '76? Okay, you saw that. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it like a couple days ago. That's pretty amazing. Uh, there are people who have had that many in a game this year, I think, or at least yeah, close to close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's crazy how much, and I I I've, I've had this happen to me. That's why I noticed. But when you Take Billy Hamilton out of your lineup and put him on your bench. How much your runs and ribbies go up? It's totally it's you you don't even think about it a lot of times because I feel like as a whole, you know, we think about batting average power and speed runs and ribbies almost kind of get lost in the mix a little bit. I generally just think about lineup for that stuff but um you know if you have billy at least previous seasons especially more so than this one but you have him in there for steals you know Mm -hmm. because you need because you need the steals or whatever that's actually my situation in the league now but you know if you take him out if you uh you just forget to steal you know just punt that part of the the steals it's 
it's such a boon to your counting stats because he doesn't get any. It's like he's a zero in those, and it really does help. 123. That is how many his career high in a single season was of runs plus RBI. Yeah. Even when he was killing it. Yeah, that's that's yeah. when he's stealing 59 bags. He scored 85 runs. Yeah. That was his career high. Yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. Oh, wait a minute. Nope. I see a 127 there in 2016. So never mind. I stand corrected. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, fill in the blank. We're going to move to pitchers. The Royals pitcher I most want to own in a redraft league is? The Royals pitcher? Pitcher. Um, I'm thinking about all their pitchers here. Give me a minute. Talk, say who yours is so we don't have too much dead air. Well, uh, I won't say who mine is yet, I'll, but I will say this. Danny Duffy has an ERA at 4-2. He's always been somebody who I found intriguing, but a 7.2 Ks per nine, a three and a half walks per nine. I know mine. XFIP is 5.3. Okay, who's yours? Ian Kennedy. That is the correct answer. And that is yeah. the only right answer because there's nobody else you want to own. I mean, I guess I should say Homer Bailey's been at least a little bit better this year. God. And he's he's <laughs> number two. I will say please, that. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Ian Kennedy's the only right answer because Homer Bailey's the runner-up. So. Yeah, yeah. I actually have some Ian Kennedy this year. It's, it's yeah, not like good. it's, it's not like it's uh, great, great. But yeah, it's been pretty good, and he's getting saves. And, yeah, he's not Michael Givens. I know that. I can throw him out there, and I've at least felt okay about it. He gave up a couple runs tonight. Oh, I jinxed him. <laughs> but, but yeah, overall, it's been, for what you paid, it's been good. Okay, well, let's finish up with prospects here. And the Royals have two top 100 prospects in fantasy. Bobby Witt Jr., who they many some have ranked as high as three in first-year player draft ranks right now. And then there's Khalil Lee, who's having a nice season in double-A this year, stealing bags and bunches and taking a lot of walks. I didn't realize how good of a year he had until I saw him playing in double A a couple weeks ago and went and looked at his stats. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Lee as a prospect? He's, he's okay. I I've never been like crazy high on him. There's speed and a good approach. You know, he walks a lot and stuff, but I'll tell you who I, who I do like here is Kyle Isbell. Yeah. That guy is a hitter. Like he's just, he's good. I like him. Yeah. He was a buzzy name. Still young, a little ways away. He was hurt for a little while during this season. Um, just came back. Oh, he was hurt. Actually, it was longer than I thought he was out, Uh but, just came back and he's homered a couple games back, but yeah, I think he's a really good hitter. And when uh, when in doubt, you know that's the that's the tool to side with. So yeah, he's one of the guys I know. Ralph Lipschitz talked up with prospects lives about a year ago. 
he was real big on him going into first year player drafts this year. And yeah, yeah he's done well in his limited time ever since coming back from the injury. Well, it'll be, he could be a riser. Um, let's see. I do want to bring up a couple other prospects, just some couple thoughts I have on them. You can piggyback off them when I finish, but I saw Brady Singer pitching double A accidentally. It was Jack Flaherty bobblehead night in double A Springfield a couple weeks ago. So I showed up just to get a bobblehead and leave because I couldn't be there for the beginning of the game. Then I saw Brady Singer was pitching, so I stuck around and watched him for a half inning, and that delivery sure was ugly. I will say that quick delivery of sideways, sidearm a little bit, not a high over the top. I don't own any dynasty shares, but I would I really would not feel good about him after seeing him pitching. And then they've got some guys plummeting on lists right now. Nick Prado, he's striking out 35% of his at-bats this year. He was a first-round pick a couple years ago. Uh, Suli Mateus is out, also absolutely plummeted. That's the guy with the 80-grade power who was hitting a ton of home runs last year. But this year, as he got into low A or um, high A, he's got a 44% strikeout rate and only four home runs in 57 games after hitting 31 in 94 games last year to where I think that guy's pretty close to a drop in most dynasty formats. So a lot of value down on a lot of these guys who were kind of trendy names about a year ago. Yeah, I was never on the Suli. I if you last year I just remember always being like sell this dude. Like he's mm-hmm. just he can't hit. I mean Yeah, he's been so awful and Prado too. Oh my gosh, that guy. That one's he's, more of a I surprise think, to me. I think he's got over a hundred strikeouts this year, something like that, one oh seven or something like that. But yeah, it's just bad. He's supposed and, to be the next Eric Hosmer. MJ Melendez has dipped off. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. they've had some struggles for sure, but they've at least got a few good players in the majors and Bobby Wood Jr. You know that. That'll at least bring them some excitement, you hope. So, Yeah, a big part of their future does is centered around that guy. They need him to turn out, and he's one of those that he has the tools. The question is the hit tool. Hopefully he can get that hit tool there because the upside is huge if he does. Yeah. All right, Andrew. Well, that finishes out the AL Central. We just have one more division to go. Yeah, the Mike Trout division. The Mike Trout division, yes. The Mike Trout and the Astros. Actually, uh, the yeah, two I things I... you could argue whether it's his division or the Astros division. But... It's the Astros division that Trout gets yeah. to play in. <laughs> yeah. I still can't believe we were talking about that a couple episodes ago, that the, the Angels actually won 98 games a couple you know games, what we five, should do? five years ago. You know what we should do for that one? We should, do, we should split it in half, and for one half, we should do the Astros and Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> and the second half, we should do the A's, the Rangers, the, uh, the Mariners, and the, and, the, and the Angels pitching staff, because they, <laughs> they belong with that group. 
Yes. Well, let's put Otani in there with Trout. Trout, yeah, Otani, that's... and then the rest yeah. of the team. Yeah, it's yeah. hot garbage. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Okay, well, I hope you all can got a little bit from of listening pleasure here for this week as we tried getting you a couple podcasts during the All-Star break. Man, Andrew, I'm ready for games to get back, watch them again, and see how things go down the stretch here. Yep, can't wait. Be uh, be fun. All right, well, we'll try to get back with you guys early next week, maybe late this week. I don't know yet. Still got to put a show together, but we'll try to get that out as quick as possible, and then we'll see what we're going to do next. But until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.